if we acknowledge that we are organic life and that we are investing this energy in simulating the world around us, there's something really valuable in that. Then it feels like organic life is simulating itself. Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining me. My name is Franco Variano, and I'll be your host for the Tech Plus Art podcast. Tech Plus Art is the community for curious individuals and creators who are looking to make a dent in the universe. Together, we're exploring the new frontiers of creativity, humanity, and how emerging technologies will continue to shape our culture, professions, products, and much more. Join me on this journey as we speak with artists, makers, researchers, designers, and creators from all backgrounds and fields. Tech Plus Art is an inclusive community and we make all our content for you. So we want to hear from you. If you've got any suggestions, topics you'd like us to explore, or contribute to yourself, let us know on Twitter or via the website. You can check us out at maketechart.com or at maketechart everywhere else. So with that said, let's get to today's episode. Today we're speaking with Sophia Crespo, a generative artist working with neural networks and machine learning models effectively blending these new technologies with biology-inspired concepts to produce some incredibly unique outputs. One of Sophia's main areas of investigation is the way that organic life uses artificial mechanisms to simulate itself and evolve, implying that technologies are of the biased product of that organic life that created them and not a completely separate object. She is also deeply passionate about creativity and the changing role of artists who are working with machine learning techniques. I highly recommend checking out and exploring her work online at sophiacrespo.com or in the show notes below. So let's get started. Hey, Sophia, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I'm really looking forward to jumping right in and talking about your work, but maybe before as a way to set the stage, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what was it like growing up? So yeah, hi, my name is Sophia and uh, I'm a generative artist working with machine learning, with neural networks. So I'm from Buenos Aires. I was born and raised there, but I left when I was 19. And so I somehow feel like I'm not <laughs> there anymore because it's been like, well, 10 years now that I'm gone. And yeah, I, I kind of ran away from home when I was uh, 19 and I quit everything I was doing. I was studying literature there and I went to New Zealand and I realized that I wanted to live somewhere else in the world. So uh, I lived kind of a crazy life for some years where I was hitchhiking, traveling around and doing other kinds of jobs, like working in a kiwi orchard or uh, being a gardener. <laughs> uh, being a gardener was the highlight of my professional life. <laughs> and eventually I moved to Germany and... Uh, I applied for a scholarship to study art direction, and then that's what I what I did for a few years. But my career in advertising was really not successful at all. It wasn't my thing. At some point, I got a back injury, <laughs> and I lost the job I had, and I kind of had more time to focus on my hobbies, which were like analog photography or having my own tumbler and having like all those little things that I had been pushing at the side and then I took on like slow motion filming and suddenly when I wanted to realize I had my own online persona and I was really interested in AI and I had been doing all these creative projects for a few years and I guess that's kind of how I got started in and got the confidence to start doing art full-time. Wow, that's really cool. And so where did your creative curiosity really come from? 
No, I, I think since I was a kid, I was always really into reading. I used to read and write a lot. So um, I used to go into literary contests as a kid, or I was also really into math too. So I was in a, there was a tiny math competitions. It was kind of like uh, weird because when I was growing up, those things seemed like super distance to each other. And now I don't see them as kind of two polar opposite disciplines as I, as I used to. So yeah, I guess I was always really into those things like math and arts. And so for anyone who's just learning about you and the type of work that you do, can you describe your work and focus area at this intersection of biology and technology for us? How did this unique combination come about? A few years ago, uh, I started this project called uh, Neural Zoo. And to me, part of it, I guess I was hanging out with a few friends who were doing uh, nature simulations on 3D. And I was trying to learn that too. That led me to think about beauty in nature. And a friend of mine just knew that I was interested in AI or machine learning And he got me as a birthday present, a workshop from Gene Kogan. We went to the workshop and I got super inspired there. And I just wrote to Gene like, hey, I love your work. Uh, It'd be great if we could hang out. And then we kind of, we became friends. And then I did a longer program with him, me as a student at the School of Machines, which is a really cool, a nice school here in Berlin. And I got to learn a lot more of techniques there. I guess back then I was trying to figure out what I was doing, but eventually what I wanted to do was create a project which opened up a conversation about what creativity is in humans, like creativity as a rearrangement of things that we absorb through biological neurons and that somehow get shuffled in our brain and then they become, they take on whatever shape, so shape of an art project or or a research project. So I use neural networks to talk about creativity and to talk about biology. When I got started working on this, I remember that when I was a child and I was like five years old, my parents took me to an aquarium and I put on one of those 3D glasses, you know, the old ones to watch a 3D film in this aquarium. And this jellyfish in the film that swam really close to me. And I got really scared. So I ran away from that cinema. And since then, I developed like a kind of phobia of jellyfish, which I never understood until at some point my mom told me, oh, yeah, I think your phobia of jellyfish comes from when you were little and we took you to that aquarium to watch that film. And then suddenly that led me to think, wow, now I'm here working with neural networks, creating images of jellyfish because there's something I find really attractive there or, or something really interesting in the textures and the way that light refracts this kind of like translucent bodies. And I thought it's all art made by humans, a reshaping of information that we absorb through biological neurons. So that's where, it, that's where that thought actually comes from. And so is that story what really drove the inspiration for the NeuroZoo project? Or did that inspiration come from somewhere else? I was already really interested in uh, neuroscience, just purely uh, as an amateur, like just reading about uh, neuroscience. And there's something really interesting about how artificial uh, neural networks were inspired neuroscientific research on the visual cortex of cats. <laughs> and uh, Hebbian theory. So reading more about artificial neural networks led me to learn more about 
how pattern recognition works in the biological brain or how it's understood nowadays to work that it works. So from there, learning about computer vision and um, edge detections, where does an object end and where does another one begin? All these concepts suddenly made more sense through learning about the technology. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think this was hugely the, the inspiration for Neural Sue. How can we extract patterns from nature? How can we extract the essence of a plant, but without creating a plant that looks like something we can recognize? So I wanted to extract plantness or jellyfishness or uh, natureness. So to just see those textures outside of their context. That's what I wanted to do. And that's, uh, that's why I used Neural Sue. Also, there are these books that really inspired me, like the Codex Serafinianus from Luigi Serafini, which is this encyclopedia of beings and basically all sorts of stuff not just beings it also has it is written in an imaginary language which is pretty cool i really recommend checking out and i like how he combines things that we can recognize like for example leg of a human with a chicken and then adding bits and pieces from different creatures but to create a new one maybe a new wave of digital surrealism <laughs> That's very cool. And so building on that learning that you did in terms of taking classes and exploring what different technologies are capable of, how did that end up shaping your creative process, specifically in regards to idea and inspiration and how to combine it with the world of biology? How do you continue to find inspiration to continue the work that you're doing today? Oh, it shaped it incredibly. Because before I, I found out about all these techniques, I was used to thinking about images in a completely different way. I thought how to compose an image, more like if I were to take a picture, I would think about the composition and really maybe use Photo Studio to put things together. Or if I were to do digital art, which I was also doing kind of like graphic design things, then I would think of, uh, well, I want this pixel here and this pixel there, kind of like this square here here and this other circle there and then if I were to do a 3D render I would think like the light and everything but when I uh, learned about machine learning suddenly I couldn't think about the image only in that way I had to think of a data set I had to think of which patterns would be extracted from the data and that really pushed me I found it really motivating to suddenly be doing something so different to completely rethink the way that I was doing stuff that felt really refreshing yeah, that's amazing. And so while doing a little bit of research and exploring your work, I came across a very interesting sentence somewhere on your website that really caught my eye. The sentence was something like, the way organic life uses artificial mechanisms to simulate itself. I'm hoping you can unpack that a little bit more. What does that statement really mean to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad you picked up on, on that. <laughs> Not so many people do. So to me, I guess I was asking myself a lot of questions like, what am I doing? What is artificial life really? And why do, uh, for instance, I don't just want to see my plants or the being under the microscope moving and growing. I also want to visualize life in a digital context. When I frame it like that, it makes me feel like somehow my, my small human ego wants to um, feel like it's adding life onto something that it that previously hadn't. So maybe that's partly the reason why, why I formulated like that. But also maybe it's an instinct inherent in organic life, trying to simulate something, trying to relive that life in a different context. 
So I guess this is um, a shift in perspective. If we look at life being simulated in a digital in a digital context, it's just a different way of looking at it. If we acknowledge that we are organic life and that we are investing this energy in simulating the world around us, there's something really valuable in that. Then it feels like organic life is simulating itself. That's super interesting. And so as your work has taken shape, how has it evolved with new ideas and, you know, with the introduction of new technologies? How do those new pieces of information or ideas work themselves back into your process to enable you to take everything to the next level every time? A lot of my practice also is kind of just flowing with freely flowing into like a new new technique that is out there that is coming out there and suddenly I'm super curious about it and I sometimes I have like a fully developed idea of something that I want to do with it but a lot of times I don't I'm like oh this is cool I want to learn about this and I don't know what I want to use it for but I just want to play with this tool with this toy (laughs) and so suddenly I would uh find myself trying to learn about something I never thought I wanted to learn about before. Like, I mean, when GPT-2 was out, I wanted to learn about natural language processing. That's not something that I, I mean, I think I would have to use to generate visuals. So it wasn't directly related to what I was trying to artistically achieve. But this uh, world opened up and I was like, oh, I want to learn about that. How does this work? It kind of keeps me alive because there's so many new things happening constantly that there's so much to learn. It makes me feel like I don't have to stay in a one traditional way of producing work. So how do you really tie that exploration and learning back into your work? How do you turn that playful exploration into ideas and then a piece of work? There's a lot of delayed gratification there, which is something I actively try to practice to uh, move away from wanting to see a result immediately. So I think that I became more patient also thanks to working with these techniques because before I would be rendering something, I always tried to, if I wanted, for example, like the highest quality of 3D render, I would have to wait and that would already kind of piss me off. So I always try to reduce the geometry as much as possible so that I don't have to wait. But sometimes if you want to train a model, it's just going to take a one month unless you have like a crazy, insane, you know, amount of hardware. So a huge part of the process is just saying like, let's wait. The results are going to be reaped or not. Or a lot of times, just something that we train and doesn't work at all. And that's part of the process too. Not knowing if something will be uh, useful at all for the artistic project, you know. So I guess, yeah, I I, I also have like phases so where um, sometimes I'm in a flow of creating or kind of like dreaming up new ideas. And then I, I replay with very simple technical tools over and over again so that I don't have to think too much about the technical stuff. And then I have periods when I just want to tweak everything technically and already have the, the main concept of the project worked and, and kind of polished so that I can just tweak the technical bits. I mean, I guess that's how my brain kind of works. There's some people who reconcile both things better, but I have them a bit like kind of split it sometimes. (laughs) And so through that work that you're putting out there and the constant explorations that you've been doing, what have been some of your most ambitious projects? Mm, Yeah, so I think one of the hardest ones has been delving into like a more sculptural approach. At some point, I thought like, oh, I need to visualize this creatures in 3D 
and to see them like materialize in the real world and to create sculptures. And that was really challenging because suddenly I realized, okay, to do that, I need to learn a lot about fabrication, which I didn't know about. So that took a lot of time learning how to do 3D prints and what's the best material to do that. And then being super critical about materials as well, thinking, okay, I would like to produce an organic sculpture. How can I do that without, you know, the sculpture getting rotten in a month? So how can I manage to keep an organic sculpture somewhere for display? So I think this has been, and it still is because I'm actually working on it. This has been one of the most challenging projects so far. Wow, that's really cool. And I wanted to ask if there were any upcoming projects that you might be able to talk about, but I guess this might be an example of one of them. Yeah, that's an example of one of them, trying to generate an artificial aquarium. So uh, an aquarium of artificially generated creatures. Yeah, that's something I'm, I'm still working on. So I'm learning a lot there. I've been working with old photographic techniques, really old ones, like printing techniques. So really inspired by Anna Atkins, who is like a botanist from the 19th century. She used to do these prints with a cyanotype technique. I've been playing with a, a cyanotype technique quite a bit, and it's been it's been really nice because it's a very meditative process. I generate an image using my regular workflow, like convolutional neural networks, and then I would print that image and use that printed negative to reprint it in this really old technique. So that's been a really nice project to work on. Wow, that sounds really cool. We'll have to stay tuned. And so you mentioned a few resources along the way. Are there any other resources that you would point listeners towards? There, I mean, there are so many new things uh, coming all the time. I guess ml5.js or p5.js, those ones are, are just awesome. But also, well, Jean has ML4A, Machine Learning for Artists, which is great. And I learned a lot of things. I know I learned them from there. Also, Andreas Plefkart. It's been really inspiring for me, although I never worked so much with uh, interaction design, but I find his work really, really inspiring. Maybe because they were my teachers. <laughs> so um, that's the way that I got started on it. Those would be my go-tos, but also delving into Python and learning about data science. I, I was just really curious about, like, I took some data science online courses and uh, the materials from Andrew, NG. There's a lot of awesome online resources nowadays for learning. Definitely. And we'll link to all those resources so everyone listening can easily find them. And so to cap off this amazing episode, if you could share a few words of advice with a younger version of yourself, what would you say? A younger version of myself. Okay, that's a lot of... <laughs> I think I have a lot to say. <laughs> so I, I guess if I were to encounter a younger version of myself, I would advise her to do art as a form of healing. So to really think about the healing aspect of art. So I think that there's something deeply... Um, soothing about like investing time in finding uh, the correct mental space for working for creating it doesn't matter if it's just uh, purely you know if you if you want to focus on a 
technical tools and only work on that, that's totally fine. You know, we don't have to all the time think of an artistic concept to that we want to communicate, but it is really important to invest in that kind of healing aspect of practice like this. So I guess that's, that's the advice I would give to myself because I struggle with depression a lot in the past. So Art has been my coping mechanism, eventually became my full-time practice, fortunately, but I guess I was doing it to kind of survive at some point. Uh, So I think that there's something in nature. I had times when I was kind of angry at the world years ago when I was like deeply, deeply depressed. And I just thought, oh, I'm not interested in biology. I don't care. I only care about what we can achieve as a humanity technology-wise. And then suddenly I kind of, from making this kind of radical statement, I learned that there is something really healing about nature too. So it felt like a, a leap that I had to take to realize that caring about nature somehow means like caring about ourselves too. Wow, that's very well said. I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode than on a message like that. Sophia, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It was amazing to have you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for having me. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Tech Plus Art Podcast. We're a very small team behind this project, so we greatly appreciate all your support. If you love our content and these podcasts, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or two. This really does go a long way in helping us get discovered and reach more creators. As always, you can find us online at maketechart.com or at maketechart everywhere else. See you soon.